This is Leslie Kane, and you're listening to That UFO Podcast. I'd like to thank Laird Superfood for sponsoring this episode. My nutrition has changed a lot over the last year since I decided to look after myself a little bit more, not just for me, but my family too. One constant though is my coffee, and you'll know I'm a big coffee lover. It's not just part of my morning, but my daily routine. Laird Superfood and their creamers have been a bit of a game changer for me and taking my coffee game to a whole new level. It's the perfect way to not only fuel your morning, but your whole day with organic, natural, plant-based ingredients. And for me, as a diabetic, there is no sugar from highly refined corn syrup. There's also a huge variety of snacks, baking mixes and protein options for you to try, all made with plant-based ingredients to keep you charged for whatever life takes you. Are you ready to feel more energised, focused and supported? Go to lairdsuperfood.com and add nourishing plant-based foods to fuel you from sunset to sunrise. Use promo code THATUFO at checkout to save 15% off your purchase today. Hi everyone and welcome back to That UFO Podcast. My name is Andy and my guest today is one of the most well-known experiencers of UFO and related phenomena on the planet. His story is a complex one involving healing, entities, orbs and almost any aspect of the UFO phenomenon you could imagine. I'd like to welcome to the podcast author of the book UFO of God, Mr. Chris Bledsoe. Chris, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Andy. I am honoured to be here. It's very good to have you. You've been a guest that I've been after for some time, as many people have uh, for your time, and a lot of listeners have wanted to hear from you. Um, Some listeners, Chris, might be a little bit less familiar with your story than others. And before we get into the body of the interview, could you summarize for us your initial experience as best you can that started you along the road to the UFO experiences you've had? Yes, I'll do my best. Um... In uh, 2007, January the 8th of 07, is when it really, um, the main incident happened. That was on the Cape Fear River, the bank of the Cape Fear River um, in North Carolina, eastern North Carolina. We're about 60 miles by air from the coast, and the river empties into the Atlantic Ocean. So we were upstream about 60 miles. and for um to kind of understand in those days the military the navy out of norfolk and wherever they're from were patrolling up and down the north and south carolina coast and that's when they were really uh, seeing this what they called the tic tac right Mm. i just had to throw that in there so you can understand why they took so much interest in me the government at right away Um, So their pilots were seeing it, and it was playing cat and mouse with them, and uh, they just could witness it, right? But on that night, um, it's a long story, and the book gets into this. Um, I was was at the end of my rope. I, I felt that so strongly because the, the, the financial crisis in 2007, uh, just really put an end to my building career. It started when 911 happened, when they destroyed the World Trade Center, whoever did it. Um, for whatever reason, it destroyed the market in, in Fayetteville, where I live, and that's the home of Fort Bragg. So you can imagine it's a mostly a VA town, 
and and everybody just quit buying homes and i had 72 houses under construction and interest rates were eight percent in those days on on uh commercial money which is absolutely unfair to where it is today it's only a couple one or two percent <clears throat> but that was the that was the beast and i was afflicted with crohn's disease i had uh started out you know minor and it grew into a monster the worse i worried the the worse it got and um so by 2005 i had suffered a near-death experience from this and it's, it's there's a lot of detail in the book about that and it wasn't my fault it was I was basically poisoned by um, toxic poisoning from the medication they had me on. And so here I am at 46 years old with four children. Uh, my youngest daughter, my young, I only have one girl and three boys, but the youngest was, was uh, Emily, and she was only like nine or ten years old then. So um, I'm faced with moving out of a, a huge home with a pool in the back and 20 years of business experience. And now I'm starting over again, but I'm sick and I couldn't work. It was just so debilitating. So I'm on my son, Chris Jr. He was 17, the oldest boy. And three guys that worked for my dad uh, had just finished a project and they wanted to go celebrate fishing that day. And so we did. And without getting too many details, I wasn't into fishing. I was I was reaching out to the heavens. Somebody help me. Whoever's up there. I was born and raised a Baptist. I married a Pentecostal holiness girl. Became a deacon in the church. Um, always, you know, was a spiritual guy from tiny. And I had, uh, you know, praying hard. I had been for weeks and I felt like, it was falling on silent ears like you know it's just the way the nature of it but for that night that evening about 10 after 5 i walked across i walked away from the, the group my son and his these friends i left them fishing on the bank it was it was in january the sun sets early you know 5 30 the sun's down behind the trees um, i told them i'm going to walk up to the the way we came in so if you can imagine a a paved road and you look to your left and there's a 200 yard field cornfield and at the back of the field is the wood line well you cross that field you get to the trees and you go down a path to the river down in a about a hundred foot elevation change to the river bottom so i walked up out of that bottom to the field I told them I, were, I was going to go look for wildlife, deer or turkey, but I was really struggling emotionally bad, crying out. And um, as I got near the top of that hill to where I could see the field, I saw what looked like the sun setting. And I didn't think about it for a second. It looked a bit strange and big, uh, that tangerine orange color. So I looked down and take a few more steps and I got a little higher up on the hill and there's two of them. And that's when I immediately dropped down to my knees, hiding myself between the hill, the top of the hill, you know, and what I was seeing. And being a commercial rated pilot, 
uh, I knew right away what I was looking at was nothing from the military base or anywhere known. And I became curious, Andy. I, I wanted to see it. I wanted to see it bad, but fear set in. So I hid myself. I, I crawled into these reeds, we call them, which is uh, swampland uh, grass, they call it. It's like cane, river cane. Uh, so I was hiding, thinking I was hiding, right? I was I was down in this stuff, and I'd peep up over the hill, and I'd go, oh, my Lord, what is that? And finally, fear got so much uh, to me that I, I said to myself, I've got to run. I'm going down that hill back to my child. That's all I could think about. And so when I made the conscious decision to run, I had to look back one more time, and I raised up. And I'm going to run. And when I look, suddenly a third one up above me and out of ways. Uh, in full view of these two, here's a third one appears. And it shot down within a second to beside the, the other two. So now I've got three of these huge 50-foot round balls of fire, orange fire, reddish orange. And it was swirling and flames were shooting off the tips of the fire. And so I've got three setting suns. Well, that description alone got the attention of those who study Fatima. That, that, I just had to throw that in there. So I took off running. And when I got back to the fire, four hours had passed. And I only thought 20 minutes had passed. That crew had been looking me all night. My son had gone looking for me. Uh, he was missing. I had to go on a hunt for him. And when I found him and got him back to where the fire was, um, suddenly the sky became alive with stars that looked just like Venus or the brightest star you'd see in the sky. Uh, it was eight or nine of them above us just started coming from different directions and they came together in a circle and they went around like they were just choreographed. They went back out from one another and they came back together and three of them landed in front of us 75 yards away, which was the other side of the river. And pandemonium set in and we flew up out of there with my truck uh, best we could. Got up the hill and got uh, those three that were up the hill. That The one that took me is now not a big ball of fire, but it's an egg shape or maybe tic-tac shape, um, glowing white, brilliant light setting in front of us about 150 yards away, crossways of the road, so we were blocked. We couldn't go forward. And that description really got the attention of the government because they were chasing that thing around the Atlantic Ocean for two or three years. Oh, four, I think, is when it started. Hmm. And uh, they, when I reported it, immediately it went straight to the CIA. And, and they, they told me this. And they said, bingo, there's our man. He's describing the Tic Tac. Now, here they've been seeing it, but here's a guy that uh, is just inland from the Atlantic Ocean on that river. They knew it was up and down that area. But now there's a guy been taken from it. So buy it. So that's what started it all. That's what um, began a 15-year 
process of me uh, working with different intelligence agencies from the NASA to the the CIA to the National Reconnaissance Office, uh, even to the Ministry of British Ministry of Defense. People have contacted me and the Australian DOD, the DIA, the DOD, just a whole, you, you can't imagine how many people have uh, worked with us and studied this thing. I'd like to thank User Interviews for sponsoring this episode. When I first started promoting User Interviews a few months ago, I had a wonderful response from many of you out there who got on board early and earned some extra dollars at what's during what's a tough financial time. User Interviews connects researchers with real people like you, quality participants who earn money for their feedback on real products. Right now, there's a high demand for software developers and engineers to give feedback on products being created for developers. It's free to sign up. In less than five of our Earth Minutes, you can apply for your first study. Most studies are less than an hour and pay over $60. Some studies pay several hundred dollars for a one-on-one interview. You get to share your opinion on top brands such as Adobe, Spotify, Intuit, Amazon and many more. I've even signed up myself and the process was very quick. If you're ready to earn extra income from sharing your expert opinion, head over to userinterviews.com slash hello to sign up and participate today. Yeah, and as someone like myself who's very familiar, the, the list is extensive of officials who have reached out and we'll touch on some of those, no doubt, as we discuss. Thank you for sharing the story and summarising it. It's a fascinating story and I think it would take up a couple of hours worth of the podcast if we went into it in detail. So yeah. apologies to those who haven't heard the full thing, but you, you will read more of it in the book or hear it in previous interviews. I just want to ask one thing. As a, as a spiritual man, as a religious man, how do you process what you're seeing? Do your thoughts go to the, do you connect prayer and the reaching out for help to these events as something spiritual? Or do you not connect them straight away as this is something you've, you've said straight away, you don't, you didn't get the feeling they were from the military base. So you're, you're telling me you didn't get the feeling these were human entities straight away. So what are you thinking in the moment? Well, from the very beginning, um, and this is in the book, uh, and there's so much in this book that I've never revealed over 16 years. And I've been quiet for the most part, uh, not public, because that was just what I was doing, that to be involved with government agencies, we just didn't talk about it, you know, but now we are. But from the very beginning, the very day I reported this to MUFON, I told them I thought they were angels because of my extensive knowledge of the book, the Bible, and studying it. And, you know, they have these fiery chariots you hear them talking about in the Bible. And to me, I didn't see a flying saucer. I saw fire, balls of fire. And what nailed it was the Crohn's disease, the suffering from that, from going to the restroom 20 times a day, debilitating illness to immediately it was gone. I had no more symptoms ever since then of that disease. I took medication 17 and a half years, and now I'm free. But here's the problem. I come home to tell my family and the community how beautiful this experience was, what happened, 
And you would have thought that I had gotten in bed with the devil because the church ostracized me, my family, friends, and neighbors, and community did. And, um, and I was just simply trying to tell a beautiful story. And I knew from the beginning it was not dark or sinister. Why else would they come? You know, why would they help me? And so that's, that's been from the very onset. Of course, I don't know, Andy. I can't, um, I don't want to influence anybody's thought on what this is or isn't. I just simply wrote a story that, um, that would tell you what's happened over 16 years. And of course, early on in my life, because there's a lot of things that's happened to me from being gunshot. I was shot in the back at 10 years old from six foot away with a shotgun, 350 pellets right in my back, right in line with my heart and something stopped it. I have bled all around in here. And I, even when I go to TSA, I, they pat me down because the electronic machine finds it. And um, so, yeah, there's so much um, stuff in this book that uh, that actually, if you read it, I think you can help develop an idea of what has happened and what it might be. That's that's. I don't want to label it. I just want the reader to decide from themselves. No, and that's that's very fair, and I think that comes across in the book as well. And all the while, it is still your story and your story to tell, and you've got to be be true to that. And for anyone who's unsure of Crohn's disease, I've got a few friends with it, and it's not a nice illness or disease at all. And even at the best of times, can be very difficult to manage yes. and live a daily normal life. You know, school runs, work you know any social activities it can be horrible so that doesn't just clear up with a, with a short notice like that at all does it um I, I want to ask chris you, you've said in an interview recently touching on you feel these entities these balls of fire were were spiritual and benevolent yes. um, with jimmy church on fade to black when you mentioned that you also added you said you felt they were spiritual and benevolent to you what are your thoughts on the experiences of others such as Jim Semivan, who wrote the foreword to your book and he's been on the podcast, or, or Whitley Strieber, and they claim far more unpleasant or unsettling experiences with similar types of entities? Do you feel these entities are connected? Why do you think people have such a strange you know, difference in how these interact with them? Well, I think for the most part, these people you're talking about, and Jim, I just love Jim. He's a great friend of this family. Uh, and he even recently spoke about, he believed that there was a guardian aspect to it. Um, I really think that uh, one time you experience something, maybe twice over 30 or 35 years, you don't have enough information to understand. The difference here is I... I interact with it every single day, just about of my life. If I go outside, here they come, and I document it with film and with witnesses and with camera. I have over 2,000 videos on my cell phone taken by night vision or cell phone uh, in the last year and a half alone, and many, many, many witnesses and people who have been healed from cancers and other things that 
have experienced this wonderful thing. If they were going to eat me, they would have done it many years ago. Instead, um, let's say this. This summer, there's a History Channel series coming out, a brand new one. I can't say what it is because I'm not allowed to. But they're featuring um, myself and three of my children in, in part of this thing. And I believe it's going to be a huge, huge eye-opener for everyone that sees it because we actually, uh, I, I can't really say any more. I just say it's a must-watch. For anybody enthused about this subject, you should watch it. Read the book and watch this, and you'll learn you'll get a better idea of what it is, I believe. Well, I was going to ask this question a little bit later, and I interviewed Ryan, your son, Ryan Bledsoe, for those who don't know. He also has his own podcast, Bledsoe Said So, if people haven't checked that out yet. Um, Ryan was fantastic with me and answered all my questions. And I asked him a similar one when he came on the podcast. And I'll ask you now, shows like The Secret of Skinwalker Ranch are a big hit on the History Channel. um, And they have a sizable audience. And what they're doing is exposing a scientific investigation of the phenomenon, including UFOs, to a mainstream audience. Um, You've mentioned the show that's going to be coming out in the summer will feature your family in part in some way would you consider allowing cameras onto your property on a prolonged basis say for several months to film a documentary or an episodic show like that well well well, you won't need them for about a day you don't need them for months when they come here let's just say there were there were 15 people here um on a team a month ago and um we filmed for six nights, and the very first night they pulled the camera out, um, there were 35 objects that appeared, and some in the trees next to us. And with the latest artificial intelligence machines, it ring them all true UFOs or unknown. So it's not like you need to leave a camera on a pole. It's not connected to the land. It's connected straight to my consciousness or or thoughts, you know, it's conscience based. And yeah, I mean, if you were to come here tonight, you and I, you would get to witness it right away. There wouldn't be no doubts left when you leave from here. And I'm saying that out of confidence because it's totally up to the phenomenon if it shows or not. All I can do is ask. But very often when I walk out, like two nights ago, last night it was cloudy. But um, uh, the night before, I walk outside and as soon as I open the door, here they come, flashing and flashing and different parts of the sky. And they just converge. It's like they're waiting for me. And this is why the government's been so hot and heavy on my heels for 15 years, because they know it. They've seen it. They've witnessed it. They've filmed it. They've investigated it, and it's ongoing. It's, 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 just, it's grown exponentially, greater now than it ever has been. Have you ever had other individuals, either from the United States or further afield, reach out to you with their own similar, consistent, prolonged experiences like you have had? I never really have. I've had a lot of people reach out to say they've seen things or that they're curious to what happened to them. But one thing I'll say is 
when this first happened in 07, the very first people to knock on my door was NASA scientists. I mean, they drove from Cape Canaveral, Florida, 13 hours to my house. I was at home and Ryan, you know, Ryan, he answered the door and there was a six foot five huge guy standing there. And he said, is your dad home or does Chris Bledsoe live here? And he said, yeah, he lives here. He said, I'm from NASA. Can I meet your dad? Ryan calls me on the phone. Dad, some huge guys here from NASA. You know, Ryan's like 12, 13 years old. And I said, well, if he wants to see me, tell him to hang around. I'll be home in an hour. And when I got there, um, that started a relationship that my children over 11 years until he died, he was with NASA in 1956 before it was NASA. Worked with Warner Bum Brown. He's three PhDs, brilliant rocket scientists, astrophysicists, all this combined. And, um, yeah, he went to my daughter's college graduations. I mean, he would drive all the way down, he and his wife. In fact, my daughter's going to Florida next week, and he, she's going to stay with Katie, his, his uh, widow. Um, but, yeah, it's... it's you know, I kind of got sidetracked there. So No, no, that's okay. I, I want to follow on that because obviously with, throughout the book, you mentioned many of these individuals, some are named and at times I understand in the past and, and going forward, you can't name other people and you would just say officials from such and such organization. But I wonder, are they coming to you in an official capacity all the time? Or do you have people, for example, coming from NASA where it's more of a personal interest and there's no official involvement? Well, I'm sure there's some of that, for sure. But this is straight-up government people. Um, I mean, I have uh, my manager is federal government, if that says anything. Yeah. And, um, yeah, uh, it's always been a great thing. When, let's just say this. When, when the community turned on me and the schools were picking on my children and in the darkest hours, it was these individuals that came and made the most sense and went about telling my family, my mother and dad pulled out these credentials from NASA and said, you need to believe your son. He's telling you the truth. They didn't have to do that, but they did. And they brought about, um, they brought about sense to us, to my children. They were getting picked on at school, made fun of, laughed, your dad's crazy in the hallway. They'd come, my little girl come home with tears. And in 2016, Jim Simivan drove from D.C., he and Debbie, to celebrate my birthday party, uh, birthday in October 15th of 2016. And um, my middle son, Jeremy, he was at the tender age of 15 when this happened, and he took it the worst. And he was interested in girls and all this and all this laughter at school. It nearly ruined this child. And he went to college and didn't want to come home. He wanted to hide from it all to try to to run from it, to have somewhat of a normal life. And Jim grabbed him and said, Jeremy, why are you avoiding your father? What, what What's going on? And it wasn't long before he said, uh, he said, we're going to have a, a fire in the backyard at your house tonight. Told all my kids, he said, invite everybody that ever doubted you get them there tonight. And there was a whole, a whole crowd of young people that come to the house and 
I just walked away to let him have his time. But he, when he got through, my children felt mighty special because he told them all, you have no idea how, what level of people are behind your father and know about this and support him. So that's been my experience with officials from the government. They're very personal for the most part. I'd like to thank Paperlike for sponsoring this episode. I've had my Paperlike on the iPad now for a few months and wonder already how I ever done without it. One of the biggest differences for me is how much better the iPad screen looks. The reflection without the Paperlike on long train journeys or in the office was pretty bad. But now watching movies and TV shows is a far more pleasant experience. There just isn't that shine bouncing off the screen. Taking notes and writing podcast shows is also transformed. As it feels like it says, I am writing onto paper thanks to the nano dot technology tiny microbeads designed to add superior stroke precision when you drag the apple pencil across the screen perfect for designing your next hobby balloon to be shot down by the u.s military i kid paperlike is perfect for anyone who owns an ipad and an apple pencil it's a must-have they really should put it in with ipads i'd love to see them get that kind of deal you do get a set of two when you buy it so you always have the spare it's genuinely made me use my ipad more than i did before so it's given my existing technology a brand new lease of life to pick up your paperlike head over to paperlike.com forward slash that ufo click buy paperlike and select your ipad size so if you're ready to do more with your ipad head over to paperlike.com forward slash that ufo to get started let me ask why do you feel there's such an intense interest in you particularly because again there are so many out there famous people with abduction stories experience or stories calvin parker whitley streber to, to name a few but you seem to have had such an intense piling on of officialdom and everything that came with that why you well because i walk outside and here it comes and they can see it a lot of people talk about it but they have no proof of it none not one photo not one video they have great big stories but there's really no uh, evidence there well here um, they can come and they can pull out their machines and their artificial intelligence machines and their sensors we were in the Monroe Institute last summer, in June, um, and it's in the book, the last chapter. And uh, there were 24 of us, mostly scientists, um, government scientists, and they wanted to try to film the phenomenon. And so uh, they wired me up with all kinds of a brain scan machine. I defeated two of their machines. Their best machines would not work with me. Uh, blew them away. It's in the book. But the phenomena just appeared. I walk out and I throw my hands up and I do what I do. I don't project it out loud unless I'm by myself. But when I ask, immediately, flash, here goes a flash over the mountain. And it just starts right at us, flashing. It went right over our head. And everybody's, oh, my God. You know, all these people there, the Monroe people. And that happened four nights in a row. It wasn't like I had to beg for it to come. This is this is the difference. You know, they want to see it. They can see it here. And Chris, I've seen personally many of the images you've posted online on Facebook or the videos you've posted. Is there ever any evidence you've taken 
that for whatever reason you haven't published to the public, either you were told not to or it was it was maybe too much? Well, yeah, I have quite a bit I've never posted. I've probably posted 50 out of 2,000 videos. Let's just say I have one that I'm just starting to talk about it. Um, nobody's seen this but government officials and um, my immediate family. And a couple people from Hollywood uh, just showed it to them, and that was it. But last Easter, when I was deciding to write this book, I had an offer. Uh, my best friend and manager, David, you met David. He he was uh, encouraging me. You got to write this book. You got to leave. You know, the world needs to hear about this. You got to do it. And I wasn't into it. I've been suffering from rheumatoid and arthritis and started getting better. And anyhow, David's pretty persistent and he won me over. And at Easter, he proposed. Uh, this to help me with the, the story, to help me all the way through it, to get it um, published if I would write it, in which I did. I wrote it, um, you know, a lot more than we published because we just had we had a window. We could only do 90,000 words um, because you get books too thick. They don't sell as well. And, and some of that was just not needed to be out it, it would we, we got what we needed but um it was easter of 2021 friday night good friday which is a special day i don't care every farmer in the world knows that easter friday good friday is a special day for planting you plant corn on friday and it'll bloom but you plant it on monday it will probably fail you get your best crops at that time of year. It's, it's, it's just an old thing. But long story short, I'm standing there by myself, you know, 10 feet from where I'm recording. This is my little workshop. And we live on 15 acres with a pond, a little cabin sitting on the pond. It's very small. And I just looked up at the sky and I said, is this what you want me to do? Should I do this? Should I write this book? Um, and I really didn't know. I, I always reach out to the heavens for answers, and I did. And as soon as I did, uh, this orb appears over my pond immediately. I mean, it didn't wait. When I finished saying what I had to say, uh, questioning the phenomenon, should I do this? And it appeared instantly. But here's what was really cool. As I'm take my little science cameras hanging on my neck right on a little la lanyard and it's only four inches six, five inches long and about yay big it's a monocular night vision it's color night vision low resolution uh, it was the greatest technology they had when when it came out that company so i throw the camera up and i've got it on this orb and i'm just knowing that that was the answer i was looking for we talk. I ask questions. They answer me right away, usually. I mean, it's not like a delay. It, it happens. There's a connection here that most people can't imagine. And that's why I say on History Channel, you might get to see that. But as soon as I started filming this orb, I look 
you know, I, instead of holding it to my eye, I get it on it. And I just hold the camera there and I'm looking around for more that might appear. And as soon as I did that, up beyond this orb, way up in the heavens, you know, where the, the stars are, I see something coming. And it's coming towards me. And it's coming from way high and it's coming down. And as it gets closer, you hear me on the video say, what is that? Plain as day. Now, I thumbed the whole thing. And as it starts getting closer, it's glowing orange red. It's really glowing. And suddenly, um, it gets close enough, I see these huge wings. And they start doing this. And this thing is as big as... Uh, a Citation 5 jet or a 737. It's not little, it's huge. And it's got wings that are flapping and it's glowing orange and it comes right down and comes over my head. It's pretty high up, but it levels out, flies over my head and it changes to glowing white. And it makes a turn, 90 degree turn, big huge wings that the tips sweep forward like so. And it makes a turn to the south and it flies out of sight. And I would say I got the answer I was looking for. I agreed to make this book and here we are today. And that was last April. And that was, um, that's, uh, I haven't never shared that. And I have a lot of other things. Entities walking. Uh, entities coming out of orbs. Orbs four or five feet away. I posted one on Instagram last night that was 20 feet away. There were two of them right beside me. You can, you, yeah, plain to see. Have you ever felt deceived by the phenomenon? No, not none whatsoever. And what about the officials who have been involved? And obviously that's a much more human element to this. The The other side of your experience is the, the human element. Have you ever felt deceived by any of those? Um, not from the officials I haven't. Um, in fact, we've changed their lives. There's a story in the book about a scientist from Virginia Tech's Hume Center for National Technology, and he retires. You know, ordinarily these guys, uh, they'll wait till they retire till they get involved in this subject. They just can't do it while they're working. But he was all about trying to come here and see it, and he did. And the first night we walked out, within five minutes, here the orbs come. And they were over my head, just above me, flashing on and off, right over my head. And this purple aura appeared. And anyhow, it, I told him, I said, Bob, it's going to go home with you. You're going to see it when you get home. Don't be afraid. I knew it because it told me that. And I told him. Two weeks later, he's writing me, calling me frantic, that water was raining inside his house in different places where he'd be uh, in the bed and all of a sudden water just sprinkles all over him and his wife or he's in the den and there's a big puddle of water on the floor. And he said, I just put a new roof on this house and you know, it's a beach house in Alabama. I said, don't be afraid, Bob. I told you this was going to happen. Well, within a week or so, his wife who had had a stroke is now no longer showing any symptoms of a stroke. So this is a story that permeates throughout this book, many stories like that. Nothing negative. It's never been negative. And um, I'm sorry for anyone that's had negative experiences, but that's not been mine, none whatsoever.
back to spin the opposite. One of the stories that's touched on in the book, uh, I spoke to Chase Klutzky um, back in the early days of the podcast in 2020. And at the time, a listener had uh, shared a story with me, which you included within the book. And essentially, Chase and her husband was with her and a few other folks. And you experienced missing time crossing a section of a field that you're you're all well aware should only take a few minutes and it, it takes much longer. During that encounter, the listener asked me, given something they had heard, that you had been taken off planet during that experience. And I wonder if that's something you would confirm, if that has ever happened to you or anyone with you. I asked Chase, and at the time, she didn't want to comment. UFO podcast is sponsored by Zencaster. Zencaster is the all-in-one podcasting platform that allows you to remotely record and produce your show with the highest quality audio and video. All from the main dashboard, you can find a full suite of professional tools to get your show created and published in the easiest way possible. You'll always sound at your best as Zencaster's post-production takes the headache out of audio production, setting your loudness and levels while reducing background noise with one click. Zencaster records video up to 4K to give you the perfect picture quality, whether you're in a shed or a studio. Then Zencaster will distribute your video podcast in crisp 1080p to all video podcast players. The biggest feature for me folks as I get the local file recording from each guest so their audio always comes through as best as it can regardless of any choppy internet connections go to zencaster.com slash pricing and use code UFO podcast and you'll get 40% off your first three months of Zencaster professional I want you to have the same easy experiences I do for all my podcasting and content needs it's time to share your story <laughs> 